Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first lesson comes from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one all-members body, we have many members, and not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy, in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in indulgence, the passionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel. It is familiar words that we have heard before. Vicki alluded to it in her children's moment. It is the conversation between Jesus and some of the disciples, and specifically then with Peter in this conversation of who do we say that Jesus is? So I invite you to see this in your mind, see the character, see the conversation and to listen with fresh ears. It is Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one or two of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's hot. Right? Outside. How many people work in that garden last two weeks? Maybe for 30 minutes from 4 a.m. to 4.30 a.m., you're out there doing it. A lot of our gardens in Western tradition are very simple, put together in ease of efficiency for watering, for sunlight, to maximize all the simple pieces of it. In the Japanese tradition, and some of you have seen these, they have these walking gardens, and they are an art form, and they are beautiful. And it's not one just little spot. It covers some territory and some ground. There's a phrase called miyagokure. Thank you. Miyagokure. It means... Hide and reveal. The understanding is that if you're walking on one of these Japanese garden paths, you're not going to see everything at one time. First, you may walk and you smell something in the distance, but you don't see it. It might be a gravel path here, and then it might switch to dirt or to a wooden bridge. And these pathways meander purposely to keep you from seeing all of it at one time. If you've been hiking and your goal is a waterfall, this Miyagokure would say that as you are heading towards the waterfall first, maybe you hear it. I've done that before. Because you start to hear it as you get closer and closer, but you don't see it. Maybe you catch a glimpse between the trees as your path, your hiking trail takes you around. And maybe you start to smell the water as you get closer. And finally, you were there and you see it and hear it. And it all comes together. You see glimpses. You see pieces. That is the intent of those Japanese gardens, that you experience different sensory pieces as you slowly are revealed to what is present. Very much Christ does that in the way that he interacts with his disciples. And depending on how we seek him and live, often too, we are in a hide and reveal understanding of who Christ is. 
Sometimes we have God moments in our life and there's a God is present. Maybe I'm with somebody else on a mission trip or a conference and I feel Christ through them. That is God present. And then we leave that place and we come back home and God is hidden again. Or so it seems to us. Sometimes when we serve somebody, sometimes when we're in worship or Sunday school or fellowship breaking bread or we are out with others or by ourselves, we have Jesus moments or God moments. And then we're back into our world and again, it seems hidden. Hide in reveal. Mia Golkare. Jesus is doing it again today. Think again about the disciples. They're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Is this guy for real? Did I do the right thing leaving my hometown, my family, following this guy? Is he, is he the Messiah or is he a nut? Well, today they're in Caesarea Philippi. That is a town. You have the Dead Sea. Jerusalem's right there. Then the River Jordan that goes north and the Sea of Galilee is north of that where Jesus starts his ministry going around that lake. The Sea of Galilee is a lake. It's not a sea. I don't know why they call it a sea, but they do, but it's a lake. But it's a big lake. And just northeast, about 25 miles of that is Caesarea Philippi. It is a Gentile community. It is filled with Syrian temples of Syrian gods. It is filled with Greek temples of Greek gods. It is a place of plurality, a place where the disciples probably were not very comfortable going. Well, they arrive there, they look around, and Jesus says, who do they say that the Son of Man is. And he gives them a title right there. This first time, he doesn't say, who do they say that I am? He says, who do they say that the Son of Man is? Well, as Vicky lifted up, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, some the other prophets. And especially the Elijah piece was because that not only did Elijah do great things, we talked about Elijah a few weeks ago, but that he was seen as being he who would precede the end time. The day of judgment, Elijah would come first. The very last verse in the Old Testament in Malachi 4, 5, it says, the very last thing the Old Testament says is that Elijah will precede the great and terrible day of judgment and the coming. And so that's why people were looking for Elijah to come again. So maybe, maybe this Jesus character is Elijah or again, Jeremiah or the others. And right there, they have kept Jesus on a human level. And you hear a lot about that in the world. Some from other religions or non-believers might say, Jesus was a good teacher. I liked his morals. He taught love and peace and reconciliation and togetherness and all of those things, and that is a part of who Jesus is, but we cannot leave him there. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what the disciples are saying. That's what the crowd is saying. Jesus, you're a good prophet. You know, you're in great company. Those are big shots of the Old Testament, and we hold them in honor, but you're a prophet. And then Jesus looks at Peter. Who do you say that I am? 
Probably not like that. And Peter, bam, nails it. I don't know if Peter had been thinking about it, but imagine following Christ, you would have been thinking to yourself, who is this that calms the seas, that feeds the 5,000, that teaches, heals individuals, that preaches with authority and teaches and brings us together and does all the things that Christ came to do? Who is he? Peter was ready. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, first part of that. So right away, Peter elevates Christ and sees him for his part of being the Messiah, God's Son, the divinity in him, not just a prophet, not just a rabbi, not just a good teacher. He is divine. He is the Messiah. He is the one. Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. Messiah Hebrew Christ in Greek mean the anointed one. Only one was anointed to do what Christ and separated to do what Christ came to do. He's the one. This is the one. Peter says, as he says, the Messiah. And son of the living God, to proclaim that relationship, closeness, and that God is alive through Christ with us. Peter nails it. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, yes, well done. Blessed are you. I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And on that part of it, Jesus is saying there was no church in existence. We had synagogues and an understanding of temple and smaller temples, but the word church had not been used. Church is Greek from ecclesia, ecclesia, meaning to call out or to gather. And church becomes both of those things for us. First we gather and then we are called out, sent. That's apostle. That's what the word apostle means to be sent. And Jesus is saying, this is going to start. You're going to come together and then you're going to go out to continue what I have started. And then he says, even the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Sometimes that translation is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For Jesus in that time and place, they, that understanding of hell was not what we understand at this point as the place of evil torment and unbelievers for all time and a, and a place with the devil. The word Hades is the Greek translation for this and Hades was a place of the dead. It's where both believers and unbelievers went until the Messiah would come, until they would come and be freed and brought to eternal life. So Hades is that Greek equivalent of Sheol that we hear in our Hebrew Testament, our Old Testament from our, our Jewish friends. They mean essentially the same thing, but again, it is not this pit of suffering, it's just kind of an in-between. It is a place of death, but not a place necessarily of eternal torment. And very easily, I think we can and should switch out the word Hades for death. 
The gates of death will not prevail against this church that I am starting in this new way and time. Death is one of the biggest foes that humanity has. We've been given life, we want to live it. But death takes that away. We can't do that ourselves. We say this each time we do our confession of faith. Christ rose from the dead on that first Easter, having overcome the powers of sin and death. Why? Because we can't do that on our own. I don't know how to do that. You don't know how to do that. But thankfully, God does through Christ. The gates of death have not prevailed against the presence of Christ's church in this place and in this time. So the first part of this is, yes, we have to go back, no matter how long you have been a Christian, new or not new, or still trying to discern and wrestle about making that commitment to Christ, you are in the right place wherever you are on that journey. Come, let's talk, let's discern, let's seek together. But we have to respond to the same question Jesus asks. Ask then and now. It's very simple. It's at the core, our basic understanding. Who do you say Jesus is? We talk about this sometimes in the sense of elevator speeches or somebody that is a friend or a family member says, hey, you go to church, why do you do that? You go to first president, I've seen you come and go. Why? why do you believe or who do you say that Jesus is? And we need to have an articulate response for that. It doesn't have to be long. It shouldn't be done in a way that says, I am right and you are wrong and listen to the only right way. But in a way that says, you know, I, I don't have it all figured out, but this is what I believe. This has been my experience that Christ is what you vocalize that Christ is for you. And if we never come down to an understanding that we can explain to others of who Christ is to us, we can scarcely operate as a church family or larger body of Christ in the world. Because if we can't figure it out, and nobody figures it out, we are not being empowered as Christ sought to do through his disciples. Now, sometimes we come to Christ through communities. Often it is with people that we are able to discern Christ. Great. Sometimes it is personal and a personal encounter that you come to a decision with Christ. Great. All of that is valid. You may have a conversion moment. You may not. It may be God has been with you over time and you recognize that in the history of your journey. All of that is valid. But we have to reassess and go back and look and ask ourselves again, who is Christ to me? Who is Christ to you? That's your first challenge this week. I want you to ask yourself that, and I want you to write it down. A few words, a few phrases. And you cannot use, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He is, of course, and that does get to the heart of it, but 
I want you to describe, to experience Christ in new ways from what the standard wording always is. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Write it down and let us know. If you're willing to share that with us, I would love to see who you say Christ is as a congregation. So once we have an understanding and we can stand on that faith, that pillar, that foundation, then we want others to know. Jesus said, Peter, I'm starting with you and I'm bringing everybody together. And they're going to come together first and then they're going to go out to continue my work. Jesus is empowering Peter and the disciples, giving them the keys, the keys to the kingdom. Yes, all of those jokes that we see with St. Peter at the pearly gates, it's, it's because of this, that he's got the keys on who's in and who's out. But what we cannot do is use those keys that we have been given to rattle them and to show the world how right and superior we are and to keep some out from the kingdom that God is seeking. But rather, we have been given these keys so that we can free God's people to understand the depths of God's love. We've been given the keys to go into the community, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state, and in the world, and help others understand who may have the wrong idea of who Christ is, to share that this Christ is a God, a Christ of love and grace and hope and joy. I don't hear a lot about that, about Christ out there. But that's a lot about who I see Christ as in here. And we've been given the keys. And we can't hold these keys to ourselves because it is these keys that then we will use after being empowered as we have been as a congregation to go forward into the world to change it. Now, I think there will always be some presence of Christ as far as a church. But the church is very different now than it was when it started back in, after Jesus uh, was crucified and rose, those first disciples starting the churches. The church continues to evolve. It may look different. It may feel different. Different parts of the world explode in this time frame and recede in this place. will grow here. The spirit is alive and working and moving. And we want that here. I know we do. And the way to do that, as Jesus is telling us through Peter, is to, again, go back and answer who Christ is for you. And if we need some talk and conversation and some study and some seeking, let's do that. That's what the church is called to do. But then to take the keys that we've been given and go unlock the world for Christ. Go free the oppressed, those in prison, not just in criminal jail, but the prison of so much making, of so much difficulty in the world that surrounds us. We've got the keys to help other people and others, us. So today, this is a new start, a new beginning in your personal relationship and as a congregation. So let us go 
with hope and joy and patience and commitment and courage and take the keys out into the world to let them know who Christ is. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. 